Hello all, it's Sasun again. Welcome to my podcast about nothing and everything. It's not Friday night. This is an extra something that I'm recording out of a feeling of loneliness, sort of emptiness, boredom, maybe even yearning. I was doing paperwork today for social services to get our benefits, food stamps and cash assistance and insurance and placement in a shelter, which I want because it would be room for just me and Wyo where we could be alone together which is something I want very badly for us, but we've lived in shelter before. And while I don't suspect that living in shelter here in a different place will be the way that it was in New York, I know, or at least I think I know that even the best situation in shelter is not going to feel as good as a real home for us. So I've been feeling stifled in my efforts because I'm tired of transitions and my urge right now is to say that I only have the energy for one more. I want to go from here where we are now to the last place I want it so badly. And I'd like to be able to think that I could do that. Um, But I, I don't know how. So, every time we go to a new place and I have to apply for benefits, I go through this little bit of struggle in proving myself and my son because when we first entered shelter in 2017, I lost my wallet that had my ID and my passport and my birth certificate and my social security card, as well as Wyo's social security card. And I never got his birth certificate before we left California after he was born. So I have to round up everything the paperwork from the hospital on the day they released me, his little footprint with his date and time of birth, the paternity paperwork that his father signed, all these things. And for me, I have my California driver's license and a copy of my social security card from when I was a child with my baby signature scrawled on it and I have two old passports one from when I was 10 I think and I went to Japan to visit my aunt and my cousins and another one from when I was so teeny tiny two and a half years old and I went to Korea to be with my mom 
stapled to the second one, the, the older of the two, the one from when I was 10, is the photograph that was on the most recent one. I think I had to send the old one in when I applied for the new one. And I had to send two photographs and they used one for the passport and they stapled the other one to my childhood passport and sent it back to me. And I was looking at it today and I saw my plugs, the jewelry that I used to wear in my ears. When I first got my lobes to the size I wanted them to be, I went to this place on Canal Street in Manhattan and I got myself one pair of plugs that had the Virgin Mary on each and one pair of plugs that had bugs set in acrylic or I don't remember what it's called the substance that you can it's clear and you can stick stuff in it in any case at that point in my life um, I got that passport to go to Haiti with my teacher and that was towards the end of the middle of years of living on people's couches while trying to quote get my life together by going back to school um, and it was hard times for me I was suicidal a lot I never made the attempt to kill myself, but I had the intent to kill myself. I just couldn't find a place to do it that didn't make me feel guilty and irresponsible. I didn't want to taint any of my friends' spaces by leaving my dead body in their tub or on their couch or anywhere where they might find me. It felt too cruel as a last gesture. I was sleeping on the couch of a particular set of friends and one of my plugs fell out and I heard it hit the ground and just as I had the thought I should get up and get that before the cats get to it I heard the sound of one of the cats getting to it and I knew that it was going to be gone from me forever and that was where I lost one of the bug plugs and then one day I went to Coney Island with my friends and one of the Virgin Mary plugs fell out in the ocean. And I kind of liked that, that Mary had gone back to the sea. So I wore one of each because that was all that I had. And I loved them both, the bug. They were ladybugs. Ladybugs are my favorite. Ladybugs are actually a symbol in the ancient world for the Virgin Mary because they eat locusts which destroy crops. So ladybugs are friendly to farmers. It's part of why there's a superstition that killing ladybugs will bring you bad luck because keeping them alive allowed farmers to keep themselves alive by protecting the crops. I was really content with my jewelry. And then I met Wiley, the father of my child 
and we were friends for two years before we were ever sexually intimate with one another. And I remember the way I was in our friendship. I was very happy and I was very myself. And when I was reflecting on it today, looking at the picture, I thought about the person I was when I was with him, how I felt loved in our friendship. I felt comfortable because I had a nice place to stay. I was fed. I had all the weed I could smoke and enough money to buy myself nice clothes. And I had this cool, talented, fun, funny person to be with all of the time. I felt safer than I had ever felt before, and there's a sense in which I felt safer then than I feel now, even though I was in a toxic space. I didn't know that yet. I wasn't aware of all the toxicity I carried in myself in terms of not being able to accept myself harming myself with my beliefs and with the hurt that I had internalized from others. I don't remember the conversation, but I do remember the feeling of Wiley telling me he was bothered that my plugs didn't match. I remember it sort of stung to hear it. I liked them shouldn't matter how someone else feels about them. If you like me, you should like my jewelry. I remember having those sorts of thoughts, but nonetheless, I had him take me to my favorite re restaurant, no, jewelry store on 2nd Avenue in Manhattan. And I got a set of jade plugs that cost like $120. And I remember picking them and I remember him smiling and being pleased with them and I remember putting them in and they were very heavy because they were stone and the jewelry that I'd had before was plastic. Um, the weight of them, when I would shake my head, they would move. And I remember he used to play with them, just kind of gently flick my lobes. That was the beginning of allowing this person to change me and I looked at this photograph and I realized that it was me before that and I had to reflect on how much different I was before that. On the one hand, because before meeting Wiley, there was so much that I wanted to dream for myself in terms of comfort and happiness and joy that I didn't, I couldn't because I had never had an experience of really feeling that I belonged, really feeling empowered. Oh, my baby's having some kind of fun dream. Um, so on the one ha 
hand, I came into a sort of confidence and power and loveliness that had been unknown to me beforehand. But in exchange for that, I began to give up little pieces of myself. I have a very rigid bent about me that refuses to let external energies get in and make decisions about the way that I live my life. And I began to soften that when I was with him, thinking that it was good for me and that I was better with the nice hundred and something dollar plugs that matched and felt heavy in my ears that my friend would sometimes play with. I must have been better then than with my mismatched plugs that I wore when I was sleeping on people's couches and wanting to kill myself. Wiley left, and when I say that phrase, it's very heavy, because he left me long before I got pregnant, long before he chose someone else to be with. He may even have left the moment that I let him decide what jewelry I would wear in my ears. And I decided for myself also, but I don't know that I would have initiated that change without him having said something contrary about the way that I looked with my mismatched plugs. I think that the joy that I felt in that relationship with him was something that grew out of me. It was an offering that I made to myself from my strength and my self-love and my awareness of myself. But I gave him credit for it because he was the friend, he was the job, he was the housing, he was the money. So it must have been him that was making me feel good. That was the lie that I believed because I was telling it to myself. So I wore these plugs without ever thinking too heavily about it. For years, he got them for me in 2013. And I wore them almost without change until this past summer, the summer of 2020. When I signed the contract for the teaching job in 2019, I had some money in my pocket, but it depressed me for reasons that it's still hard for me to expand on. I do remember getting new plugs for myself then as a gesture to myself of no longer needing or wanting to have Wiley's energy around hanging from my head. And I liked my plugs enough, I guess, but not enough to actually wear them, not enough to make them the ones that I wore every day. And eventually I went back to wearing the plugs that Wiley got me and I put the others in storage and I left them when we left the East Coast. And they're still there, floating around with all of my other belongings, still hopefully in a basement, waiting for me to come back and fetch them with all of my precious things, my journals and my artwork and 
Wyo's little baby clothes and all the rest of the things that are waiting in milk crates and boxes. Over the summer when we went to Houston, our first night there, we were supposed to stay in this Airbnb, but it was awful. It smelled really bad. I'm not even going to get into it. And we decided to book another place and it ended up, ended up being really lovely. But I took a shower at the first Airbnb and I did something that was so strange for me. I took my plugs out and I put them on the bathroom counter and I left them there. Normally, I'm very good at remembering all of my things, especially after years of traveling and packing and unpacking and moving and going, always arriving someplace new. I have become meticulous about my belongings and Wyo's belongings because if we ha can't have a home, goddammit, we're going to at least have our stuff that we can take and set up in a new place so that we feel some sort of narrative, some sort of continuity, some sort of sameness, so that we can make any space we go to our home. So for some reason on that day, I went outside of my normal habit set and I left those plugs on the bathroom counter at the Airbnb and I forgot about them. And up until today, I didn't have any jewelry that fit. And my lobes were shrinking and I was really upset about it because I really liked having my lobes stretched and I had wanted to go even to a larger size, certainly not to a smaller size. I put a new set of plugs on my birthday wish list and a very good friend of mine bought those plugs for me and I was so excited and happy and they ended up being too large and normally I would stretch my lobes out with lip balm tubes or markers or something but all the things that I used to be able to use to stretch my lobes out by the time I got the jewelry and was ready to try to put them in nothing fit and I didn't want to go through the pain of stretching them by force or any of that sort of thing so I still got the jewelry somewhere but I ordered lobe weights which are a little bit different than plugs they have a smaller diameter, the part that goes through the lobe, and the ones that I got hang. I got one set in rose quartz, and one set in opalite, and when they came in the mail today, I found that I was able to fit them both in one lobe, so I have one rose quartz and one opalite dangling from one side and the same on the other side. So I was wearing my new jewelry today because it came in the mail because I had a $50 gift card that my friend gave me that I was able to use to buy not one but two sets of jewelry on Etsy. And I enjoyed it for what it was. My stuff came in the mail and I put it in my ears and it was great. And then I looked at this photograph of me 
before my baby and before his father and before I got to that point of dreaming in a big way and imagining that I had found my someone. Because even before Wiley and I had sex, I imagined that he was going to be my someone forever, that he would be my best friend, that I would work for him for a period of time, and that that income would allow me the space to then work for myself and still have his love and support as my friend, and that instead of feeling like he was superior in his ability to make money and support himself, that at some point we would feel like equals and we would continue to support each other in love and friendship. That was what I wanted very badly with him. By the time I got pregnant, I no longer wanted that. I felt like I needed a way out from my relationship with him, but I didn't know how I was going to take care of myself, which I think, looking back on it now, was intentional on his part, because it put him in a very powerful place of being able to treat me badly, and knowing that I wouldn't leave because I had no place to go, or at least he thought. And for a long time, I agreed with him, and I believed him, and I believed myself, because I also told that story to myself. So now, seven years have passed, eight, since 2013, since he bought me those plugs. And not even a year has passed since I lost them, and not even a day has passed since I've replaced them with ones that I like. Not more or better, but differently and for much different reasons. And my lobes are a little bit sore from the new jewelry and the new weight, which is what I wanted. I can feel that my skin is being stretched again, and it's a familiar feeling, having had gauged lobes for 10 years, 11 years, however long I have. They had gotten small and I had to stretch them out from forgetting to put my jewelry in a number of times. So this sensation is very new and very familiar, but now it feels very deep and heavy with meaning because it shows me a progress that I wasn't even intending to show myself today or at any point. I didn't go through my belongings looking to say, oh, this is you at a different point, at a different place, almost an entirely different person. I was just trying to get my paperwork done in time so that I can get some food stamps. Um, but it's been like that for a long time. The way I describe it now is that everything is a trigger. Everything is a trigger. Everything reminds me of something and takes me back. My, my past is very present. My pains are very loud. 
no matter how comfortable I get in the present, I can still feel the discomfort of the past and it scares me and it terrifies me. I feel heavy. I feel a lot of sorrow from it. Um, I started watching this movie with my friend tonight. It's got Kate Winslet in it. It's not a movie, it's a TV show. We watched the first episode. I can't remember what it's called, but there's a young mother and her child's father's girlfriend hates her. And I'm sorry for spoiling this if any of you do end up seeing this episode, but the girlfriend catfishes her and pretends to be a young man who's interested in her and invites her to meet in the woods at this party. And when the young mother gets there, the new girlfriend shows up with her gang of friends, one of whom is videotaping, and the boyfriend, who is the young mother's co-parent, if you will. And the new girlfriend is mad because the young mother had texted her boyfriend, reminding him of old times. And short story, the girlfriend and her friends beat this young mother up. And it's upsetting enough that somebody would spend enough time pretending to be someone lovely just to lure this girl into the woods to beat her up. But what really fucked me up is that the father of her child participates in it and watches um, and doesn't seem too much to enjoy it, honestly, but doesn't do anything to stop it. And when I say that hurt to watch, oh, it hurt. Wow, it hurt so bad because it felt like watching myself. This girlfriend kicks this girl, the mom, in the head and puts a big gash on her and she's bleeding and she's crying and I bet the feeling of realizing that she got duped hurts more than being kicked in the face. Other people come and try to help her and offer her a ride home and she just walks off into the woods crying and bleeding from her face after being betrayed. And wow, I felt that. And it made me feel sick to my stomach. And I still feel sick right now. My belly is turning. Because I asked myself, would Wiley do that to me? Would he stand there and watch his new partner kick me and see her friends there videotaping and egging her on and not do anything to help and not only do I think he would in his own way I think that that's exactly what he did and it hurt and it reminded me of all these other things that 
have happened to other people, be they people I know in real life or characters I've read in books or seen in movies or on television shows who've been so badly hurt, but not just hurt, but hurt by someone they love. And I sat and I wrote in my journal, does it make it hurt more that it's someone you love? I spent a long time after Wiley left me while I was pregnant and failed to be present for his son and did his best to emotionally abuse me via email and by not paying child support on time or in full and then eventually not paying at all. I told myself when all of that was happening and I was in the thick of the confusion about what exactly was going on that it must have been that what I felt for him was not love. It was just sickness, it was leftovers from having been abused by my parents and by so many other people that made me think that I loved him when really it was just a trauma bond. It was me acting out my self-hate. And of course he never loved me because he's just a sick narcissist who's incapable of emotional connection, a real deep feeling. He doesn't know how to love, he doesn't love anyone all these different stories I told myself because it was the only way I knew to make sense of what happened and to offer myself any comfort. It had to have not been real. It had to have all been for show to take my energy, to control me, and then to discard me because that's what the internet says that narcissists do. But tonight in my journal... I felt and decided that it was love and that's not to discredit any of the sickness or the trauma bond but I do think that the feelings that I had for him were very real and absolutely in earnest and in some ways very innocent and pure. There are feelings that still resound in me now and the way that I loved him then and continue to love him now. And I feel the utmost confidence that he loves me back and that he always has. But as I said before, with all of the sickness present, watching that actor, that character, the somewhat ambiguous look on his face when his current girlfriend landed blows on the mother of his child. It was very well executed on his part as an actor and very well organized by the director and the writers, etc. They did a really good job of showing where that young man was. Love is maybe not the right word, it's the only word that I have and I think that we have in this language that describes the ambiguity of allowing your current partner to kick the mother of your child 
in the face in the woods after lying to her. Break her heart, break her face. There is something cruel to love, especially when it exists in a body that knows cruelty all too well. And without indulging too much in his history, I can say that Wiley knows cruelty all too well. The easiest way I know how to put it is that when we were together before I got pregnant, I heard people that Wiley was working very close with planning to sabotage him talking openly when they knew they were in earshot of me, his partner who was living with him, <laughs> about how they wanted to cut him out of a deal and screw him over because fuck him. And he was out of town at that point. These people were living in his space. And when he came back, I said, Wiley, you've got to get rid of these people. Not only are they plotting to fuck you over, but they're doing it blatantly they didn't even have shame about it. They didn't even try to hide it from me. So they either assume that I too don't give a fuck about you or they think that they're powerful enough to openly scheme and to have that be all right. And he didn't do anything about it. He kept these people around and I was shocked. I was shocked. I remember being so confused because... If someone that I trusted told me that people that I had brought into my space were openly plotting against me, I would get rid of those people. <laughs> and maybe it's that he didn't believe me. I don't know. It makes more sense to me, though, that he did believe me and that Oh, my baby talks in his sleep. What do you hope, Mush? Yeah? Okay, baby angel. Um, <laughs> how do I want to say? It's just like any time you tell someone that something they're doing to themselves is no good for them and they keep doing it. It doesn't mean they lack love entirely. It means that their love is skewed. It's bent. Um, it's not connected to a belief and their innate value. It's connected to some sort of condition that they put on themselves. For instance, I used to think that I didn't deserve to eat if my house wasn't clean. I love myself enough to want a clean house. I love myself enough to eat. But I didn't love myself enough to just feed myself without making myself put in work. Because I was taught that all love, even my own self-love, had to be earned. And people who were socialized as girls and women may have heard the thing that my mother would say to me a lot that beauty is pain 
and I had for a very long time fused the idea of beauty and pain, of discomfort and pain, itchy pantyhose and underwire that digs into the side of your tits, ripping hair out of your body and putting chemicals on your scalp in order to be beautiful. Why? Because I had fused the ideas of beauty and love. I had to be beautiful in order to earn love from others and I had to earn love from others in order to offer love to myself. So if beauty is pain, then love must be pain too. And how long did it take for me to begin to unknit that triad so that I could get to the point where I could just eat because I was hungry and I love myself enough to take care of my hunger. And then, of course, being as traumatized as I am, when I got to the point of being able to just feed myself, I began to do it too much and eat until it hurt. Almost as if I thought that I have to eat for all the times I didn't eat and for all the times in the future that I might not eat. And I took myself back into pain because filling myself up with food until it was painful was a better feeling than the emptiness of being alone. And I confessed in my last podcast that I started smoking again. And I did it on purpose because I needed to help myself stop eating constantly. And it worked. If I have a couple cigarettes a day, I'm able to eat well without eating so much that it hurts. And I had the realization when I decided to get more cigarettes and let myself lean on that, that there is still this emptiness in me that I don't know how to love. And right now it wants to be food or cigarettes that go into that space. All the meditation and the journaling and all the other things I do to help myself get to greater and greater self-love is working in its own way to a certain extent. But I haven't gotten to the root of it yet. Because if I've gotten there, if I had gotten there, I'd have been able to maintain my quit and eat when I was hungry and then stop eating. And I haven't attained that place yet. I've gotten to the place where I can admit so many things about myself. I've gotten to the place where I can see into my past and understand it in new ways, both in terms of my own behavior and the behavior of the people around me. So many things make sense and it's lovely, but I still feel this aching sorrow, this vast void in myself, this emptiness, and I haven't yet figured out how to love that emptiness or to let it be, to hold it without questioning it so much that I have to stuff it with smoke or Triscuits cheese that's going to give me gas waking up in the middle of the night and eating ice cream bars. So I'm in this curious place 
I wrote in my journal tonight that after spending such a long time wanting to reclaim Wiley's love somehow to get us back to some good place as if that would prove something about my power or my value as if it would make sense of things now I don't want Wiley's love because I realize and deeply feel that I didn't ever not have it he loved me while he watched his girlfriend kick me in the face in the woods in his own sick twisted way I loved him back while his girlfriend was kicking me in the face in the woods and you know I'm being metaphorical about the TV show I saw I mean I did never get kicked in the face by his girlfriend I would have broken her fucking jaw but just for the sake of the poetry of it um I realized tonight that I don't want his love because I have it. And I realized tonight that now what I want more than anything is to continue being absent from him and for that absence to be the loudest noise in his life. I read somewhere on one of those self-help style Instagram profiles that you don't have to go around being everybody's lesson. And I remember when I read that, I thought to myself, no, that's exactly what I want to be. I want to be the one who teaches people how fucked up they are. And not by beating it into their heads. And I tried that, trust me. But just by leaving and on a spiritual level I think some of the void that I feel right now in myself is part of the connection that I have to these two people without getting too much into all of that Wiley and Natalie helped set me free from the person I used to believe that I was by hurting that person so much that that person died and I had to exist in this body with that person who fell apart and gave up and died and I had to find a way to make space for that death but to not let it kill me I allowed an aspect of myself to be strangled out by these people Every time that I had to go back to the intake center in the Bronx and sit for three days with my child, waiting for my name to be called, getting bussed all over Brooklyn in the middle of the night for overnight stays in random hotels to then come back first thing in the morning and wait, feeling useless and powerless, but still loving my child and still writing poetry and still carving out space for a dream I had of being able to take care of myself and my child off of my creative force. That was the seed of who I am now becoming. And that seed grew while the person who 
exchange jewelry, to keep a friend, to please a companion, the person who got kicked in the face in the woods in the night was dying. And likewise, on self-help Instagram profiles, I've seen posts that talk about not giving credit to your abusers for making you stronger. But I have to. I have to. If Wiley and Natalie hadn't humiliated me graphically for years, I would have kept trying to fix things with that man. If they hadn't showed me such gross, deep sickness, such neglect, such harm, I would have kept trying to give my son that man as a father because I really didn't want to do this alone. And I really didn't think I could do this alone. And I really didn't want my father, my son, to not have a father. Freudian, I'm sure. But in any case, it's only within the past two years, I would say, especially after living with a friend whose co-parent was and still is extremely abusive, extremely abusive, both to my friend and to the children they share. This man is awful. And it was in seeing that that I realized how lucky my child is that he does not know his father. Because why would I want him to know someone who stood and watched and colluded with someone to kick me in the face until I bled in the night? Why would I want him to know someone who bought dogs and housed a grown-ass human being while neglecting his child? I had to see him do that in order to let go of him. If it weren't for Natalie, I would have kept trying with him and it would have been awful. I look back on how awful it's been and I have to recast it and see that I was so blessed every night waiting at the intake center in the Bronx because even though I was subject to the will of New York's social services, and that is a beast in and of itself. I was independent in terms of having put myself there of my own volition. And I fought those people. I went to court to make them give us a room. And when I got that room, I carried through a plan that I had come up with on my own to go back to school and to put my son in childcare and to see if I could use that path to get to where I wanted and needed to be. And ultimately, I figured out that that wasn't the path I wanted. I didn't want to spend any more semesters or years in school just to be able to take care of my child. I don't like doing things as means to an end. If I go to school, it has to be because I want to be in school. And I had to be honest with myself. I don't want to be in school so then I had to resort myself, and I'm still in the process of doing that, figuring out how to get where I want to be without having to do anything just because it will get me there. I only want to do the things I want to do. I'm almost 40 years old. I spent all of my life doing things I didn't want to do in hopes that they would get me to where I wanted to be. 
And if you listen to that sentence, it makes no fucking sense. Don't do what you don't want to do to get where you want to be because that's not where you're going to end up. At least that's what I've seen in my experience. So now I have this emptiness that I sit with. And it's the emptiness of knowing that there's no other way but this way. It's the emptiness of knowing that I made the absolute right decision when I chose to have my son. I made the absolute right decision when I chose not to conceive him, but when I chose to have repeated unprotected sex with his father. It's, of course, something that I've doubted so many times since I became a mother. Oh, you idiot. Why would you make a child with someone who raped you? I'm happy that I made a child with someone who raped me. I'm happy that I made a child with someone who used the best of his energy to do the worst to me. Who even got a partner to help him along in doing the worst to me. I'm happy because it helped me let go of the idea that beauty is pain and that love requires beauty and that, that love is pain help me get past that. I don't feel the need or even the urge to be beautiful for anyone anymore. Not even for myself. I don't need to like what I see when I look in the mirror. I need to sit with the void. Because once I am able to sit in the emptiness that I feel without becoming sick about it, what I see in the mirror won't matter. So like I said, it's a strange, esoteric, enigmatic place that I'm in. I feel uncomfortable in my body. When I look at my face, it is foreign to me. Our things are disorganized. I don't have the energy to put them all in order. I'm dealing with social services again. I'm trying so hard to plan, get my taxes done so I can get this money, but I'm no longer rushing because I'm realizing that if it all came today, I wouldn't know exactly what to do with it yet. I'm starting to feel grateful for how long it has taken me to get where I want us to be because I realize now that if someone had given me, I don't know, $100,000, $200,000 when I was still weeping and moaning and trying to find a way to fix my family because that's what I used to call it. I would have used that money doing things I didn't want to do trying to get to where I want to be. It's only now even in the past few days that I've been able to realize that that's not how this life is going to work for me. Maybe that has worked or does work for other people in other times, I don't know, but that's not how this life is going to work for me. So, I was going to say, I hope that makes sense to you, and then I realized I don't really care. If it makes sense to you, that's great. If it doesn't, that's great too. It doesn't really all the way make sense to me. But I wanted to record something tonight. And I've decided to give myself more space to do what I want to do, even if it doesn't make sense. 
So I think that's the most of what I wanted to say. And of course, now I have to pee again. I have this very active bladder at night. It's amazing. And I'm going to have another cigarette because I'd rather have another cigarette right now than eat another ice cream bar in the middle of the night. And I'm not mad at myself for the eating or the smoking. I'm not mad at myself for wanting and wanting and wanting to be with someone who'd hurt me so badly. I'm not mad at myself for anything right now in the moment. And I don't feel like I need to rush or fight. Tomorrow I'm going to call social services and hopefully have the interview that I tried to have today, but I waited on hold for two hours before giving up. Tomorrow I will start earlier and I treat social services like a game, like a video game that I play in my free time from figuring out exactly what it is I want to do. I see us in Korea, in the countryside. I see us making trips to Seoul every once in a while so that I can make music and translate and make art, sell my wares. I see us coming back to America when we want and when we need and traveling to Haiti and to Brazil and to Goa and to the Ivory Coast to all of these other beautiful places I've always wanted to go. I see myself having more babies. I see myself doing the things that when I got to the place where I was able to fantasize with Wiley because I felt secure and I dreamed bigger than I'd ever dreamed before in my life. I'm now dreaming infinitely larger than even that and I'm still very confused and my belly still hurts and I don't know how I'm going to do anything but the fact that I'm able to dream not just about having a home with my friend who's a good musician and making music together and being secure financially because that was my big dream with Wiley now I dream of the whole world as mine being able to go wherever I please and have as many children as I like and support them all and to not really have one rule. What is it that Sasun does? A poet, a Quran recitation, healing arts, mother, musician, painter. Who is this person? I want to be ambiguous and obscure and impossible to pin down and I want to exist to no one except my patrons and supporters and my very, very dear friends. And I see that happening. I feel like 2022 will land in Korea and I'll breathe deeply in a way that I haven't since I was very young the last time I was in Korea. And I felt very free and very safe. So I'm going to go pee, smoke a fag, come back up here and lie down next to my baby, go to sleep, wake up a little bit bigger than I was yesterday because today I looked at a picture of myself from a long time ago and I realized how beautiful it is to have been 
completely different person, but the same in essence. And all of the people I've been in between and how beautiful it has been to be at war with myself and to watch myself die while that dying person knew that she was giving her life over so that I, who I am right now, could live. I feel the, the sacrifice of Jesus on the, cry, on the cross. I really do. I watched myself die in that sense so that in another sense I can have eternal life. And I don't mean to commit idolatry, especially not since I'm a Muslim now, lol, but I had a sort of spiritual understanding today that has been really lovely. I hope that this recording finds you well and that you enjoy this little extra midweek hour-long snippet from your dear and beloved poet, Sasum Ishe Brer Omer. This has been episode five of Dear Dear XO, the Dear Snake podcast. And maybe one day I'll explain to you all what all of those deers mean. I don't know. We'll have to see. But I wish you the best and the fullest of love. And I will still be recording on Friday. Um, this is just a, a treat for myself and for you in the midweek.